Hello and welcome to the Marketing Retro Podcast where Josh and Adrian talk about the various marketing topics that are on our mind. Josh, what's on your mind this week? Hi, Adrian. Hi, Josh. So we were just talking and we thought we'd just to add a continuation episode onto talking about the year of efficiency and how marketers and businesses can just kind of get down to their core foundation pieces and get more efficiency and um, yeah, hopefully that they're going to get back to their own growing and whatnot and trim some fat and, and be lean and, you know, get back to business. Yeah. So last week we talked about the tool that may not be named. This time we're really going to narrow deep into systems, processes, what are the tactical things folks can do. So you have kind of been running your marketing with your team at Referral Rock. What are some things y'all have done to really make sure that you are operating as efficiently as possible? So the first thing we've done at late is, and I think these are things that should be done on a recurring basis, right? Because things drift, things change, and you're not going to be able to consistently get into making changes to your data analytics and your buyer's journeys. But if you don't have a map of that stuff, like now's the time. If the last time someone dusted uh, your your buyer journey maps or looked at how you're doing analytics and tracking for KPIs and whatnot, or even your home homepage, I know it's the typical marketing trope of a new person coming in and updating, wanting to do a massive homepage update. But when did all of those things last happen? And more than likely, they were probably like before you got a last funding round or something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's time to kind of take a stock of those, take a look at them, really get them down to their core and check under all these places to make sure you know what's going on. Because those assets right there, your buyer's journey, making sure you're having all the tracking in place and your homepage are like key assets that if you don't have right, like... I don't, leaky. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. They're just going to be leaky. Yeah. yeah. I used to say, you know, when I started this in 2016, 2017, I would talk to founders. I'm like, if you haven't looked at your customer base or your buyer journey, like really had a clear mapping in two years, it's time to do that now since like the pandemic, it's like, if you haven't done it in six to nine months, you should, you should kind of go back and be kind of at least looking at it and asking yourself, right. is it still working? Is it still operating the way we need it to? Right. And, and every step of the, well, we can go into buyer journeys first, because as we've, something we didn't do, we haven't always done is we've always had sort of a map or everyone kind of knew it, right? And then you go and you talk to someone else like, well, does that happen here or there? When you have like a decision tree part of your mm -hmm. buyer journey, someone can, for us, for instance, at Refer Rock, someone can go and request a demo or they can start a trial. So those are divergent paths. And uh, they can they can go through different steps from there. But what we started to do was, in a lot of these paths, there are these certain points of leverage, right? Where you are likely tracking a KPI, like a conversion rate or something like that. And one of the things we did a good job of is this round is we went and did a gut check of, you can look at benchmarks and is this an industry standard? And it's a good place to start, right? But mm -hmm. it gets you an idea of, am I below expectations? Am I exceeding expectations, which might be fine? Um, and, uh, or, you know, or am I at average or whatever, right? So you can look at those and kind of have a general idea. But the second thing we did with those same numbers is decide, is this a 
capped number or an uncapped number. Like a conversion rate percentage is typically a capped number. Like, you know, if you're, let's say, closing at a or converting people at a 30% rate, that's probably pretty good and you're doing okay, right? But be wary of trying to go like, well, if it's 40% or 50%, that may not actually be possible, right? It may just be like uh, you're going to have diminishing returns, like throwing resources at trying to move a number from 30 to 40%, right? So you should be leery or weary of when you, where you should be applying those resources. But you could also have a uncapped area where, a natural uncapped area is like MQLs, right? But you might have a capped per per channel based off of budget or things like that. But at a whole level, like a, you know, an uncapped number, if you're just like, I want to go with the mentality, I can get other leads at this rate, maybe it's in other channels. Um, but then if you start thinking about how those numbers move through your model um, is a good way to know where to focus. Because oftentimes people get stuck in their own silos because Hey, I'm the email marketing person and they said to be more efficient. And I've actually been doing this for a while and, but I can't really increase the open rate like past 40%. That is, you know, unless I started giving away free stuff, like 40% is a pretty good open rate for a marketing email. Absolutely. So before we move beyond that, let's talk about, you mentioned finding at the very beginning, finding best practices. Where does one go? to find good percentages or good numbers for best practices? Uh, like for these benchmarks and whatnot. So yeah, like if you're just starting out, obviously you'd want to benchmark against yourself eventually. Mm-hmm. But if you're brand new and you're like, I have no idea what's good and what's not good, where can you find some best practice benchmarks? I mean, oftentimes there's a lot of like industry reports. There's all these people doing state of X report, you know, state of PLD, all of those things. Most of those have those numbers because I think those are what people are naturally asking. And just in terms of, you know, am I an anomaly? Is this good or is this not good? Right. Um, Databox is also doing some really interesting things. I don't know if you've seen their benchmark reports. So like, that's a good way to like pair your, bring yourself in with similar businesses. Now it is Mm -hmm. still taking, like, they don't know how someone is calculating certain things, but they're mostly pulling from tools. So let's say it's Google analytics and page views. That's pretty vanilla, but who knows if you're excluding certain traffic and other people in your benchmark group are not excluding certain traffic, right? So maybe mine's like country specific and other ones are the whole world and those numbers could be thrown off. So you still have to take some of those benchmarks, I think, with a grain of salt, but they're trying to do a nice job of like narrowing a lot of that down. So Yeah, absolutely. I love the the, the data box benchmarks that they've got going on and the fact that you can create your own cohort of group, like maybe it's you and, uh, you know, 25 of your collaborators or partners or competitors, whoever you want to see them and then uh, how everyone's performing. So that's a good, good call and good point. Absolutely. First, get a benchmark. So then once we have an idea and you've realized whether it's capped or an uncapped market, and I think how would you come to know that? Would uncapped just be um, like, how do you identify if you're about to reach the point of diminishing returns or if you're wasting efforts to try to reach up like a, a percentage bonus point? What's a good way to, um, to solve for that, to identify those if you're if you're pushing for no reason, essentially. I mean, I think that you go back to your gut too of what what can be done, like, and maybe it's not as much on the. There's partially going to be benchmarks. They're going to kind of tell you in general what is 
generally possible. And then your own data set, hopefully you've been tracking this for years and saying, or previous quarters, and you can say, well, when the good, when the going was good, we were here, what happened? Um, and the other part is just more of a, just a natural holistic look at it. Like, are we doing the things that make sense for the customer, right? Like, oh, have we not been following up with, you know, a demo request when someone misses the meeting? That's, that's an obvious, like, you know, yeah. low, low hanging fruit. So that, that's probably the thing is like looking for low hanging fruit, reading through people's other tips and best practices. I often love to like see how other people are doing it. You know, you look at, I know people sometimes hate Twitter threads, but oftentimes there's a lot of tips going through steps of like, hey, here's how we do our things. Like check for these 20 things. I love to look at those because even if I just surface one little tip that I haven't seen before, it's like, huh, do I think that can apply to me? That might move the needle, right? That might be some low hanging fruit I haven't looked at. So yeah. I like looking at those to just get a larger surface area and make sure that, um, yeah, that, that I'm doing something in that direction. But if you start to go and you're like, I don't know what else I can do. And you start to sort of run out of ideas, or if you're looking at ideas that are like, naturally it's like, oh, there's this one configuration type of thing. They say, use this setting and that, not that setting. And I go, I don't know, like, is that worth, is that juice worth the squeeze? Like how much do I actually think that's going to matter? Or is it going to mess up my other metrics? And now I have to go retool all this stuff. Like, is that worth the time and that might be something that could be potentially diminishing returns yeah and that may be a point where it's a good idea to a b test and just kind of see or give yourself a sprint of an experiment say i'm gonna do it for two weeks we're gonna track and test if it doesn't do what we need to do we'll go back and uh shrink in the the ad pay or whatever it happened to be right. the two increased um so back to the buyer journey you mentioned how do you use these metrics to guide and to inform your buyer journey uh, mostly to like also look at gaps, right? So like you, yeah. so once you do have these numbers working, but you could also look at like like let's say they are working in an optimum way. Let's say ideally, I don't know if anyone's <laughs> actually is. <laughs> yeah, um, but also gives you a look at as you do things like where are splits in your journey. Like I mentioned, for us, it was like the the. Um, someone's self-servicing and signing up for a trial versus talking to, you know, a salesperson. And those two have vastly different like unit economic models, right? So it may not just be efficiency of the percentage, but you might go and like, huh, is there a way we could do different things here? Or what are some of the limiting factors that are going to stop this, uh, you know, make it so that we need to add another rep. Like how many meetings can a rep handle? Like you have to start thinking of what those limiting pieces are. And once you're in those, you can go, well, maybe I'll start routing traffic differently this way, right? Mm -hmm. So th that's where you start to get a little creative. And that's where you, once you have the model mapped out, you can go, well, if the model worked this way, how would that change? So you yeah. want to be able to play with those numbers or just hypothetically run scenarios to reroute things in a different way or go, Hey, if we didn't have any, you know, if we didn't have a self-service thing at all, what would that look like? Right. And, and you could kind of model some of these pieces. So as you like reroute and change or say, well, what if we had a hypothetically hybrid model that was, we're actually experimenting with that. We call it like the buyer assist model where it's like a PLG uh, model where people where salespeople reach out to like trials and whatnot. Yeah. So it's like, okay, what is the efficiency of that? Maybe we should dedicate more resources to that versus this. So, 
Um, that's kind of where you, once you have that mapped out, you can start tinkering and experimenting hypothetically, or even just running other experiments to route things in different ways to see if you have a, a, a different opportunity. I love that. And uh, the, this idea that I'm kind of floating and talking about recently is called the product market flywheel. And mm -hmm. one of the arms or the, it's not a lever, one of the spokes, impacts, spokes is a strategy. And it's really mm -hmm. understanding like what game are you playing? What's, what's the approach? Are you PLG? Is it free to trial? Is it, you know, sales led, like understanding what your strengths are. And I think um, knowing that you can play with that, I think some people think once they're in it, it's stuck and that's the way it is. Like we've chosen this model and there's no other option. Um, but I like that you can say, you know, experiment with a few different ways. You can change and adapt depending upon the product and, and your capabilities and your strengths. Like that. Yep, 100%. So, that's the, so we talked about journeys. Then another big one is the tracking, right? So I think I know a lot of people aren't the biggest fans of GA4 or Google, Google Analytics 4 for the long form version. Um, yeah. But when I started a lot of this uh, like uh, th three or four months ago, when I started to get into, you know, making updates to our homepage and all of this type of thing, like I was like, you know what, I'm going to just go into GA4 and just everyone they're they're supposed to close down, you know, universe, Google, Google Analytics Universal or the old one, um, I think in July, right? It's supposed to stop collecting data. So it's kind of a warning right now, if you haven't started that tracking and you're kind of redoing your tracking now anyway, because for efficiency reasons, like I, you know, it's not a bad idea to just start getting your cutting your teeth on it. I know it's not yeah. the easiest thing. It doesn't work the same way, but getting that tracking, getting confidence in the data of like knowing what your conversion rates are on your homepage before you start making homepage changes and ripping things out. Like no, once you have that tracking, it gives you more confidence. So you can not necessarily a B test, but even change a page and then, see what it was like last week, you know, see what the results were, how did it change or leave something for a month, add an additional FAQ to a certain page or, mm -hmm. you know, tinker with, you know, ways you're talking about the pricing, other copywriting images, different things, but without the tracking in place, you're sort of just guessing and throwing at the wall and you don't know what to change and what to cut or what, if you actually made it worse. Yeah. And I would suggest doing one thing at a time. So especially with your homepage, if you're looking at, you know, maybe we need to do a rehaul, maybe it's our messaging, maybe it's our pricing, maybe it's the layout, maybe it's the design, like start with copy because that's an easy change, right? Like that's just going into your back end. Um, start with that. Start with your call to actions. Easy. I like to think of it like as if you're working on a car and something's not right. You start with the easiest and the cheapest and then you work your way up. Same thing with your homepage. Start with the easiest and cheapest and work your way up. Um, and one thing at a time. And I would give it probably two or three weeks to see how does it function? How does it operate? Mm -hmm. What kind of responses are you getting? If you get a good lift and conversions increase, then you know that something wasn't right. And you know it was the copy. Or if you change the design, you know it was the design. So it's, design. So it's easier to pinpoint which change made the impact. Yep, a hundred percent, and that's that's a. I think with these, that you don't know how they're all really working in concert. You know, the tracking is going to tell you a lot of it, but you still need to step back and take a. You know, you don't want to just chop, 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 or try to take on way too much at a time. Like 
you, 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 everyone wants to aspirationally do all the things, <laughs> you know, oh, we can improve our logo. We can change the colors. We can change the layout. But the reality is just like you need to, you're going to need to break it down into smaller pieces anyway. Um, I would also encourage, I know this is probably getting a little outside the scope of it, but encouraging like when you're making these changes, make sure you have a way, a system for yourself to stay accountable and stay on it when, when you started these changes. It's easy to kind of go in there. It's like, okay, I'm going ahead and, you know, changing this page to that, changing this headline, but document those changes. And I think about them in, in matters of weeks. And I do like to run the test for a couple of weeks, but let's say um, I'm doing a change to the base homepage and I'm doing all those, I'm making all those, at making all those changes, doing them in one swoop, uh, and then documenting the changes I made, making sure I could roll back if I need to. Because if that first week goes and everything plummets, I'm like, uh, that's a very high risk change. Maybe I'm rolling that back. I need to have that document, know when I changed it, know when that version to roll back to is, that type of thing. So yeah. having that documentation has saved me a lot of times, even just to be like, what day did I make that change and how long do I want this test result to run and what were the percentage of conversions before I let it run so I can know if it's like I didn't I didn't get myself into too much trouble. Yeah. Are you just documenting on like Google Docs, spreadsheet? How do you document? Uh I've been using Asana. I'm a big Asana user mm. for everything. Um I created a separate project. I call it um Josh's MQL house. <laughs> And it has like additional columns for like you'll with any project management tool, you'll have default columns that are like, you know, due dates and assignments and things like that. But I added some additional columns, things like start experiment date. And I use the I use the regular due date for things as a way to say how long I want the experiment to run and when I want to check back on it. So then when I am on that page, it shows in red like, oh, wait, I need to go check the results of that. So nice. um, I like it. Um, but one of the things, so now we've already dipped into talking about the homepage and one of the things that I've found has been really helpful as a sneaky thing is I know people in a lot of companies and orgs, especially the way everyone's been growing, things are all over the place. Like you have yeah. alignment, all kinds of alignment issues. And one of the residual benefits of this project that I've taken on to redo our homepage is you get much stronger alignment because if you start using this as your reference piece, this now becomes your like, hey, you know how we talk, you know how we want to talk about X feature? I just rewrote it. It's on the site. Use that. There's probably 50 versions in different places, and we now need to proliferate down and update them all to make sure they're right. But if you use your homepage as this middle centering piece between you as leaders, business leaders, um, the first place your customers are going and a place for you to like route employees. Someone, someone's doing onboarding and they want to like really learn about the product. You should be like, yeah, read the homepage, like read everything in the homepage and understand the homepage architecture. Cause that's actually going to give you an idea of how we think about our product, how we think about it splits into different use cases. Now, of course, this, this gives you additional motivation to really make this right and really get everything aligned. But after yeah. that, it's one of these like things slow down to speed up. Cause then you're like, Ooh, we're going to update our, um, email copy, our drip email copy after someone signs up, like 
use that as the reference material because you just rewrote it, right? It is right. fresh. It is aligned with your messaging. It is aligned with your positioning. It is aligned with how you, what your value metrics are, your pricing, all of those types of things. So it becomes this like centering piece where you're just like, oh, I just did this reference piece. Go to that, go to that, go to that. It just becomes extremely powerful. Yeah. And then repetition and all of the things that are good when it comes to content. Um, Another thing that I just thought of while you mentioned at the individual level, being able to really bring people in and get everybody clear and efficient um, is just KPIs. How many companies do I come into that don't have an overarching strategy that results in individual key performance indicators at the execution level? So like everybody knows this is what needs to be worked on. This is the needle we're trying to move. This is our goal for this quarter. And here are your responsibilities. Literally within your job description, the reason we hired you was to do XYZ. Here's how XYZ is going to help us get to these goals. This is what we need you to accomplish in order to, um, for us as a team, to meet our goals. I find, you know, some people find it overbearing and oppressive to have individual key performance indicators or whatever. I find it actually extremely helpful um, when you see that somebody now knows that their job, the thing that they're trying to execute on is actually benefiting and impacting the larger company as a whole. Like you want to talk about developing a culture, like a team mindset culture, like really saying you're a key player. We need you to participate and here's how you can. And this is how you're going to get us across the finish line. So one person cannot just be like, oh, it's fine. Joe Schmo will handle it. Like, I don't have to worry about that. Everybody is fully invested. Everybody, at least on the like through systems and processes know exactly what they need to do. Um, and that I think would create, or it does, it creates efficiency because there's no two people overlapping. There's no like, oh, we don't actually have someone on the people we're talking about events and content. We don't have anybody creating content for this event. Like what a waste of time and what a waste of like money and things like that. So really creating clear on how as a marketing team, how each person is going to help you get to your overall marketing goals. Um, that's going to be another good key for creating more efficient processes and, and not wasting energy and time and money. Yep. I agree. And while you're at it, this is that time to question some of them and question if some of these make sense. So that that's, again, these are all like things you need to slow down to, to, to get fast yeah. again, right? It's like you're getting down to those bare foundational pieces that you can then rely on and depend on. But don't don't be afraid to look at a old KPI and be like, does this make sense anymore? You know, talk to your manager, talk to other people, and just say, is this actually the direction we want to do? Don't I know you just want to kind of move on and get back to your work, but this is that time to just like take those take stock of those things yeah. and be like, does social move the needle for us? Should we stop posting on social and trying to do this this uh, you know? social media thing if if that is not actually moving the needle like if you've got your tracking in place and you don't see any links from social at all right or any yeah. you know maybe it's not just conversion it could still have other effects in the funnel as long as you're like uh i guess realistic about what you're trying to okay it's grant generating brand awareness cool they're not conversions but that's okay too right, right. so um but but take stock of those things because you know maybe 
the people that were running those or made those decisions are no longer at the company or those are you got to a point where you spread yourself too thin and you went yeah. after 10 panels where really one or two are probably gonna, the ones that are going to actually you know get you out of this mess so. Yeah. And you said like, you know, we want to get back to work, but do this first. Like this is the work. This has to be the work this year. This aspect of like, okay, let's really look at where we're at. Um, you know, they're saying, oh, we have to do 35% less with fewer people. Well, if you don't actually do the same amount of things you were doing last year. Yeah, say no. Yeah. Say <laughs> no, we're not. We've now have I mean, depending upon the size of your team, we have 20% less people or 70% less people. Or I mean, in some cases, 90% of marketing teams are completely laid off. So if you're working with less people, you now need less channels, less campaigns, less stuff. But that doesn't mean the impact can be less. You can still have right. the same um, or at least similar goals and outcomes uh, as far as conversions and revenue and things like that. You're just the 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 amount of things you're doing to get there needs to be more focused. Yep, hundred percent. And I'd add, if you're having trouble convincing your leadership or your managers that this is important to get all this stuff in tracking, and they're just like, "Well, no, you just need to produce three times as much because we just dropped two people from your team." Send them to this podcast. Like, they people should understand how this stuff works. I think. The lights will come on for 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 leaders if they've heard it the way we're explaining it. We're not saying don't grow. We're not saying like don't have goals, don't have KPIs. We're actually right. just saying take a harder look at them and take the time to do it. And you're going to have to slow down to get back to speed. So, like, send them here. You know, send them into our our, our chat or whatever, and you know we'll talk to them for you. So, yeah. um, and then you can get back to focusing on and and hopefully get some alignment with your leadership. Absolutely. And hopefully leadership, because it is coming from them. They're the one telling us to do more with less. And so we got to say, okay, no, I've got to do, I can create the same, but it's going to have to be with less. You've now told me I've got less. So here we go. Let's start right, with right, less. Right. Or help me know what to chop, right? Like help me know where yeah. I should push back. Cause it's like, I can't do 50 blog posts, you know, in a month anymore. Like, you know, maybe I could do 10, but we, we can't do 50. Like just because, you know, you, you cut the budget does not mean we should, and we shouldn't because there are going to be Absolutely. only so many articles are actually going to make an impact and allow me to take the time to analyze and tell us what are the five that are going to make a difference, right? Like it's not about like mass production anymore. It's like, what are the ones that are actually going to have an impact and you need to give us some time and space to find those out and make sure. Yeah. It's as if every marketing team this year has to operate like a bootstrapped marketing team has always operated. That's kind of what it feels like. I don't mind. Josh is shaking his head. <laughs> yes, he's in agreement with me. All right. Well, thank you, Josh. I appreciate the topic. Yep. Great. So on to the year of efficiency and hope you all get these pieces in place and get back to growing and get back to kind of a, a good clip in a comfortable work environment. Absolutely. Bye. Bye, Josh.